Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. everybody hello and welcome to this week's episode of got your ears on guido here along with scoot and johnson every man a sad mountaineer fan guido (laughs) i mean i don't even i don't even know uh i said last week i didn't know where to start i feel like i'm even more lost this week guys i mean again wvu drops another game this time to kansas state 34 17 and i'll start at the end and i'm gonna start with the post-game press conference we all saw the game we all watched the game we all kind of saw what happened and then we had to listen to this post-game press conference with Neil Brown talking about, well, at one point it was 24-17, okay, and, you know, and the kids fought hard, and there were some fundamentals, and, you know, and we didn't, we didn't you know, do things here, and we didn't do things there, and I'm, at this whole time, I'm thinking, you spent all of the spring and all of the fall practices leading up to the season telling us Jared Dagey most improved offensive lines. Great. We're a good team this year. And here we are guys. We've lost everything. (laughs) We've lost it all. Like, I don't even know. I can't even tell you what we have anymore. You know, the team's thin. We've got guys jumping ship and entering the transfer portal. Uh, Garrett green is now MIA. Is what what Scooty? What are we going to do? What happens from this point with this team? Well, I don't know. I think I think some bad things can continue to happen. Um, I worry that if we struggle against Texas, let's say we lose against Texas, you're probably going to see people like. I mean, what does Letty Brown have to? I get it. I know traditionally we say you want to play the full season. And all of that. I understand that. And I was a coach and I totally get that. However, as we've seen with guys going to bowl games or not going to bowl games because they're going to the NFL. So would any of our potential NFL talent choose to skip out on a Kansas game because they don't want to get hurt knowing that that game is really not going to make or break their NFL career, you know, by playing in it. Uh, do you see guys like, and that's what scares me is that that's probably our better talent. So are you going to see guys like Letty Brown and Darius Stills decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sit out that last game because I don't want to take a chance of getting hurt. Well, let's, let's back up a second though, because I want to ask you guys your opinion on, I, I think one thing that continues to, uh, I don't know, surprise me, unfortunately, is we seem to find new and innovative ways each week for me to feel bad about this team. Okay. So like early in th- this was the second week in a row, honestly, tell, I think you guys will both agree with me. This is the second week in a row that the first quarter is maybe three fourths of the way over. And you already know the game is over. Don't you? Oh yeah. I mean, it's like right. you're absolutely first quarter is not even finished. Scoot, you could go do some yard work, spend time with your family, go to the movies, whatever you need to do, because this game's already decided, isn't it? Like right. it, you're not even. We don't the have first the quarter. offense to come back. Right, like you can't, a, we can't do right, anything. A on fourteen offense. point deficit feels like a forty point deficit, doesn't it? It's it's terrible. Right. Then 
you know, I would have thought, Guido, that okay, look, you know, when we talked with Jake Lance at Smoking Musket, you know, and we've brought this up like on last show, we were kind of like, well, what is our path to a positive outcome? We were trying to be optimistic. We said, look, you go take care of TCU, you steal one against Iowa State, which we did. Then you take care of Kansas and Kansas State, and you back, you kind of, you kind of fall back, you kind of nest he plunge your way into a bowl game, right? And you kind of finish <laughs> right. yes. on some kind of positive. I would have thought after you come out and you are thoroughly dominated. I mean, all three sides of the ball dominated against Oklahoma State, and you know you've got to win two of three. I would have expected the team to come out laser focused. You know, of these three. We had poked, you know, we had sort of pin pin poked Kansas State as one of those two we thought we should get. Right. Instead, we come out and just get not only punched in the mouth, but Cowan has one of the worst tar un, like undisciplined targeting plays, Scoot, I think I've ever seen. It was so terrible. It was like a targeting to end all targeting. Well, it's to almost me. as if he just didn't want to play the rest of the right, game. He's like, yeah, you know what? How like, can well, I get off? Right, how can I, I get out of this? I'm out of here. I'm just going to throw my skull into this guy. And here's the thing, like, and this is where I'm at with this team. And and I feel like I have been on Neil Brown train for a long time. Like, I feel like out of the you three are. of us, I'm I, like the. I love Neil Brown. I think you helped him move in. I think you Maybe. were like I think I did too. I like think you I doubled was like, as a Van Lines guy and helped him move in. Exactly. Like, but <laughs> here's the problem. Like now I'm looking at this team, and now we're at week two weeks in a row. We haven't shown up. We haven't. We look unprepared. We look not ready to play. The guys are coming out soft. We're getting dominated in the first portion of the game. I mean, last week we got dominated in all four quarters of the game. This week, at least, we finally scored a touchdown. But to me, Guido, it just screams like, why isn't that focus there? Like, you can get in the post game. to your point, you can get in the post game and you can talk about a lack of execution. But to me, when you show up, and you get blasted like before people have even gotten comfortable in front of the TV. You're down 14 nothing, and the game's over. You yeah. have a blocked punt. Like it just screams like, what have you done all week leading up to this game after getting shellacked against Oklahoma State? It's hard to see that any progress was made to get ready for this game. Well, and I'll, I'll give you guys, I can tell you right now, and, and I'm, I hope that. I can be proven wrong in the next year. I'll give it a year. Let's say by this time next year, I hope that I will look back on this episode and be like, oh, Guido, you were completely wrong. I can I can now pinpoint the, the moment where I, Neil Brown has lost me and the team and, and, and I feel like he lost the team. And that's that moment where the camera caught Jarrett Dagey coming off the field and Neil Brown's yelling something at him. Neil Brown's chirping in his ear, trying to get him to pay attention. And Deggy kind of gives him the ole, you know, like yeah. whatever. Deggy gives him the whatever you're saying and walks right by him. And I know the camera cut away. You don't know what happened after that. If I was Neil, any other coach, if that was Holgerson, if that was Rich Rod, to be honest with you, I think if that was Don Nealon or Bill Stewart, they would have been down his throat. Yeah, in his, they in his been ear on hole. Him. Yeah, in his ear hole. Yeah. Like, and so I feel like now, like, the passion's gone on this team. You've got a quarterback who 
I think we all are in agreement that he's played 42 games, started 42 games collegiately, and is mediocre at best. We've got a coach now who is starting to feel like he's losing control of said quarterback, therefore said team, and we're facing Texas next week and a Kansas team that just beat Texas last night. You know, I, this is not a pretty situation is all I'm saying. No, it's not at all. And I think it's one of those teams, uh, Smoking Musket had a tweet um, yesterday about, you know, when when we are awful and we're playing this kind of football, Scoot, it, it sort of brings up all those being in the Big 12 conference and how much we don't like it feelings all to the surface. Like you're bad sure. and you're playing teams like Kansas State that you could give two two craps about. It's well, like it just it sort of bubbles all that up, doesn't it? Right. it? It's terrible. Nobody gets excited. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are the two schools that people can kind of get excited about watching. Texas, maybe not so much really because of they're on the field, just because of the name. Uh, nobody's excited about Kansas. Nobody's excited about Iowa. No, like there are schools that nobody in West Virginia really can connect to at all. Like there's nothing. But let's forget about that, Scoot, and the fact that I don't think anybody's excited about WVU football I, right now. I'm telling you, they're not. I don't. I don't know how you could be. Like, I'm not saying we need to like start moving Neil Brown stuff out of his house for him, but. Like I've said the last three, four weeks, he needs to be humble, accept responsibility, not kind of say, well, we didn't execute. Like he needs to say something like uh, Bob Huggins. When things don't go well for Bob Huggins, what does Bob Huggins do? I'll fix he says, it. I'm, I'm going to fix it. Yeah, I'll fix it. Yeah, I'll fix it. It's me. I made, a, I made some bad decisions. I must have chosen some guys that I didn't think – you know, that I thought we're going to do other things and they didn't like, he always says that kind of stuff. And for the most part, Huggins does kind of fix it. Like he kind of does what he says he's going to do. And, and, and on top of that, Scooty, in those post game press conferences, when we look like crap on the basketball court, Huggins comes out and says, I didn't get us ready. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like you hear, and that's the thing. And I think, you know, and I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I want somebody to tell me, I want him to tell me he's sorry. Like, well, here's the thing. Cause he's the one it's, it's on, it's on him. Like take everything else aside. If they're, if they're not making the tackles, if they're not doing the fundamentals, if they're throwing interceptions or not, you know, making blocks, as it's all on him. And that's right. where I'm mad about it. And it's like, it's one thing if it's one play. It's one thing if it's one game. This is, we've now seen this all season long. Minus a, a game that they all played out of their bodies against Iowa State, this team has been the same all year long. Well, and I think we need a little bit more transparency, right? So um, some of the issues that we had early in the season were play calling. Who's who's calling the offense? Is it Neil? Is it Gerard? Parker is it is it Jared Parker who who is calling this offense well we assume that there's been a change because the play calling changed slightly I mean it really wasn't like dramatic change but it changed slightly so we think well I think there was a change but we don't know that because Neil Brown doesn't say that uh yeah and Scoot who do you think is so uh, talking about you know another facet of this with Neil Brown how do you feel when 
you're down 14 with six minutes to go and you're not getting up to the line. You're taking your time. You decide to run the ball when it's not really like you have really no business running. Letty ends up fumbling. You know, I sort of checked out of the game at that point because it felt like Bush league to me. Like, what are we like? What are we doing? Right. So to your point, like who's, who's making that decision? Right. When we were up, I forget who we were playing a couple weeks ago. We're up and we decide to go with three, or four pass plays in a row with a minute left. Like, listen, if you're not making the offensive play calls, you are the head coach. You could say, hey, uh, uh, wait a minute. Let's not do that. Let's let's do something different. Yeah, we got to fix this. And uh, I also have issues where how many times do we go out of a timeout and have to think about, like, either worry about a delay of game or calling another timeout somehow? I, I know you can't call two timeouts back-to-back, but, like – there are so many times where things happen where clock management is is kind of a mess. I mean, like I said, I've said this a thousand times and I hate saying it. He's probably a great guy. He probably is. <laughs> I don't know what he's known for as a That's coach other than being to. a good guy. Right. Like <gasps> Well, it'll be fascinating this weekend though because how interesting. It'll be like a competition of who is more checked out. Texas because they they give up 58 to Kansas and lose at home or like somebody joked on Twitter will Sark even make it to Morgantown like that to me I find that fascinating and then on our side of the ball other than us like who else is going to be at the stadium to watch this team Mm -hmm. and cheer because we're going to be completely checked out so it's going to be fascinating to just see like who shows up, what emotion is there? You know, are, do they, do they scrape up and create enough of their own emotion? Cause I think the stadium's going to be flat. Well, and you know. what's sad, yeah. what's sad for me, I'll say what's, I don't know what's sad for you guys, but what's sad for me is I've been down on this team, as you know, as I've noted from day one, from day, from day one, one, from the get go. But there was that slight glimmer of hope that, we had four games left. You can don't have to worry about a red shirt. Maybe, just maybe, we would see Goose Crowder. He had talked up Goose. We thought we were trying to read between tea leaves. There are no tea leaves, right? It's just freaking whatever he says is what's happening. Like, there's nothing happening because he doesn't say jack squat. So, like, he can talk about Goose Crowder all he wants. He's not playing them. Let me ask you guys this. So, he's got two games left. He's got this Texas game. He's got this the Kansas game. What what could Neil Brown do right now, like these last two games, to sort of win back the fans, to win back us, <laughs> to win back Scooty, to, you know, what could he do to, to make this look like it's not the complete stink show that it is? I think, Guido, I, I'm not saying it would work, but I'm kind of siding with, you know, I, I always, I always kind of – tell people if they're not reading Jake Lance's work at Smoking Musket at Nightstare on Twitter, they really need to go do themselves a favor and do it. In, in Jake's last you know, write-up, what he thinks after this game, I think he kind of summed up what I what I felt like I was thinking. You know, this isn't fun. And we're all sitting here to Scoot's point saying, where is the change? That's one of the themes in Jake's article th- this time. And I, and I totally agree with that. So Guido, I would answer your question by 
making some wholesale changes. Like there's no, I almost feel bad for Jared Diggy in a sense, because his coach keeps running him out there doing the same thing. And he, he, to scoots, to scoots saying he's probably a good kid, right? He's probably a nice guy, but he's drawing the continued ire of the entire fan base because I think he ends up taking the brunt and like he, he sort of wears the yoke, you know, of that, here we are doing the same thing again. Here we are running me back out here where I either, you know, make a mistake and cost us an interception or we're so predictable and I'm not mobile, you know? So to me, something he could do to it, at least get a little bit of goodwill is like Scoot saying either, like if you've decided you just are so anti Garrett green, I, I still don't understand that. But if you've decided that's your stance, then let's see goose Crowder. What can he do? Let's build for the future. Please God don't bring Jared Diggy back next year for another year of this. Like show me that we're actually trying to do something new. Now I, I'm not sure Guido that we're capable of doing that. I'll be honest. Well, and I agree with you, Johnson, because I, I, I feel like, and we can be down on Daggy all the time, and I know we all have, and I have in this episode five minutes ago. I think that it's true, though, that, like, if I were Jared Daggy, I'd be so, like, because Jared Daggy's the one that is being left out there to hang. Like, he really is. Yeah, I think he's, he's being, the one that ends up wearing all of the criticism. You know, I think the quarterback right. position does that anyway. We know that. But I think I almost feel bad for him because I feel like he's running out there like, I am who I am. Like, you're expecting new stuff, and this is me. And, uh, you know, like, it's just not going to be a new thing. So no, the coaching not. staff needs to do that. They need to, they need to be pragmatic about this and be like hey we're you know we we just went how many quarters was it scoot we went like from the time we scored against yeah. iowa state until third quarter of kansas state six quarters. I mean, it was awful six, like what are six what quarters. are you doing that whole span of time you're just running the same personnel out there here's a concern i have as well Right, so in the post-game press conference, Neil Brown, one of the comments he made was that we're real thin. Our roster is thin, but that's not an excuse. If he thinks the roster is thin now, wait until week 12 against Kansas when he decides maybe to make some changes, and guys are like, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to be entering the transfer portal here soon, so I'm probably not going to go out there for you. I don't. I pulled a hammy. Yeah, I pulled a like, hammy I getting out of my bed like, this morning. It's going to be way thinner these next two weeks than it is this week. And Guido alluded to it, but let's go ahead and talk about the what feels like the elephant in the room. So Guido, you pointed out in the in the comments that Garrett <laughs> Garrett Green has a quote unquote upper body injury, like whatever that is, and didn't travel with the team. Now we we interpreted that a certain way, right? Yeah. So Coach Coach Brown in the post game press conference was asked uh, was asked about Garrett Green, and he said Garrett didn't travel. He has uh, an, an upper body injury, which I hate that. Like, what does that mean? And that he is likely not to be available next week. So I said to you guys in the text machine, that sounds a lot like transfer portal talk too, because it's already happened once this season with the exact same comment, upper body injury. Does that mean your head is not in the right place? Yeah, there's a lot like narrow it down a little bit, right? Like, yeah, right. But yeah, it smacks of the same tone, doesn't it? I mean, and right. I hate it, Scoot, because 
I mean, look, he, I know the backup quarterback's always like the most famous guy on the team, but Garrett Green was fun to watch. And we oh, had sure. flashes of things where we were like, give the guy, give the guy a chance, you know? And I feel like he's been, if he had been treated like he did right. in the Oklahoma game, yeah. we, this wouldn't even be a conversation. Right. And we probably wouldn't be in the situation we're in. Right. I agree. I agree. I mean, so uh, here's, here's my question though. At this point, if Garrett Green does go into the transfer portal, if that's what this is, I mean, and maybe he does. Maybe he's got a stiff neck. Who knows? <laughs> but, like, <laughs> if he does go into the transfer portal, like, what, you know, it's all on Goose. So you got Goose next year, and then you have, like, you have a true freshman and Nico coming in. That's it. So uh, here's my worry. This is my worry when I saw when I heard that. Garrett hits the transfer portal. Now do you have Coach Brown saying, hey, Jarrett, stick around another year because I'm not sure Goose is going to be ready and I'm not going to start a true freshman. Uh, I, I'm just so caught, Scooty, I am so caught on this like, oh my God, Jarrett Dagey might be well, here next year. There's So there's a lot of red flags with right now for me with Neil Brown and probably the biggest one that I'm thinking of besides the fact that I think Jarrett Dagey's coming back. I don't know why I feel that way, but I do feel like that's a very good possibility. But I look at uh, just looking at the the season. I know we will have time to reflect, but we we came in to the season hearing how good offense was improved. We already knew that our defense was pretty good, but we had like a mass exodus in the secondary in the transfer portal, and maybe more concerning to me than anything. And this is where it gets Johnson the most is Jamal Adai left. Why would and he took a positions, a position coach position with Georgia, which I mean he jumped on a great a great thing. Yeah, sure. But he was a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and I had that, a man crush on him. I mean, and, I, I I love him, and he left. And, and I it, think it he still was a pretty good me. recruiter. Yeah, and it was his alma mater, and he left. Right? No, I totally agree. And yeah. What like it so, makes you raise an eyebrow, right? Like, like well, what's was up it with because, that? Maybe he was promised, hey, let's just do this co thing for a year, and then next year I'll make you, uh, you know, the the main guy. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea, but uh, I can't help but think we would probably be better with him. That's not to say anything negative about. I think Shadon Brown is who kind of yeah, sure, who who I think is a great coach and is yeah, I think he's but still I think with him right. I mean, but you're talking about you know West Virginia ties and an alum, right? So what's what's going on? And and then I think one of you guys may have said so when Neil Brown was up and coming at Troy, is that because he had good old Vic as his defensive coordinator or some of those coaches there? Like what is what is Neil Brown's I don't know offense or defense. What is his thing, right? We well, what's his? I you've said all year. What's the identity? I still don't right. think we what know. What is his right? thing? I have no idea. I th- I'm convinced his identity is that the team is just mediocre enough that we all argue about it. That's what I've said. The identity. <laughs> well, <is. laughs> that's not a great identity to have. And I and I got to tell you something. That's that's an identity that's not going to last long with Shane Lyons and the the university because now you're gonna see, you're gonna see it this weekend. You're gonna see it against Texas this weekend where. We'll be lucky. We'll be lucky if there's thirty five thousand people there. Like truly, yeah, there. I agree. Like they're they're gonna say whatever. They're gonna say forty thousand. Uh, but that's gonna be because season ticket holders that you know didn't show up have their tickets. Um, it's gonna be a dead, 
a dead scene. There might be some booing. There, I got a bad feeling there's going to be a lot of booing, and I don't, I, I don't know at what point is is Shane Lyons put in a position where he's got to start making some and, and like we and like I, we'll talk about it in two weeks when the season's over. But like this buyout's too much. Well, Neil Neil Brown is here. Like let's be honest, this buyout's too much. He just got extended. He's here, but what needs to happen from the athletic department to make sure that Neil Brown is making decisions to put, you know, butts in the seats? Well, let's talk about these last two games and frame that up a little bit. So I, I put a poll out on the Twitter, uh, Scoot. I pointed out that at the beginning of the season, you pick this team to go five and seven. You look like a Nostra Scootus right now of sorts. Yeah, you do. definitely flip flop the Kansas State. Well. Who well, do I have, and Kansas you, State and Iowa State? Right, right. And you and you said um, you had a Texas loss and then a victory at Kansas. So I put on the Twitters, will you be correct? Now, 10 people piled into this poll, right? 10 votes came, <laughs> 10 votes came flying, piling flying. in. Yeah. I mean, it was like a, you know, you know, decision. 2020 or whatever it was like a ton of votes came <laughs> right in. now so first I don't know of that all we can call this final i mean first of all thank you to everyone who jumped on this because it was just everyone came piling in to vote but i said you know will we lose both that got 40 percent uh yeah are you exactly right people said yep he's ex- like four people said yep you're exactly right um and now people are saying now flip the win and loss like two people weighed in like hey flip the win and loss which is funny because after seeing the Kansas knockoff Texas, now you leave that game like, yeah, you know what? Kansas actually looked fired up. I like Scoot and I have been talking about their mobile quarterback. Like, oh my god! I mean, they take them in a heartbeat. Feel like they have more juice now than than Texas does. So anyway, wh- wh- the reason I bring that up is because I think if you go to the terrible, terrible end of that, so you know, obviously, if you went out, Guido, I think you shove that conversation at bay a little bit, you know, you keep it at arm's length. What if, what if you lose both of these games? What if, what if you lose the next two weeks? And and you might, I mean, it feels, it feels like it's very much in the realm of possibility. Now I know Kansas is Kansas, but like, do we, do we have it in us to score 58 points? Like if we get it, you know, we just watched Kansas no. score 58. Like if Kansas plays, if Kansas plays like they get, like they did against Texas this weekend, I we can't beat them. Like we can't beat that team. Well, you def you definitely can't. They have, but it. they haven't played like that. They haven't played like that all season. No, right. That, I played, mean, let's not forget. Like, and is that and like let's not forget. Like, is that their Iowa State right. game? You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, like, is that, that's a good yeah, point. They haven't played like that right. all season. Right. But if they play like they played against Texas against us, we won't. And win. you know, Scoot, Kansas could be now like shut it down. Like we that was our Super Bowl. Like we're gonna live off of that for like right. another <laughs> six know. games or something. I think. Uh, I think. Well, that that quarterback's a sophomore. I, I think. think, yeah, he's super young. Um, I think the coach is trying to establish something. I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, but I worry that. But if, but if we were to lose these, next, you know, we're talking about buyouts, and yeah, it's hard to move. Blah blah. I get it, but what if you lose the next two weeks? Well, here's the, let me just, let me ask this question. And I don't know the answer to it, so maybe you guys can help me. Is Shane Lyons 
in jeopardy if we lose the next two games because Shane Lyons is the one that extended Neil Brown because we were worried that he was going to go to Auburn to bring this uh, this right pizzazz to, to <laughs> the Plains. <laughs> and, so you're saying Jarrett Deggy is to Neil Brown as Neil Brown is to Shane Lyons. Is right. What you're saying. So the, wag- does, the wagon's hitched. <laughs> wow. Yes. So does Gordon Gee, who I'm sure he's got people talking in his ear about, you know, and boosters and, and Hey, what are we doing? Why did we extend this guy? What? So I just, if we I lose it's both, very hard, it's very hard. It's, it, it would be very detrimental to the athletic department to like stick a piece of dynamite under the whole thing and blow it up. Like, well, here's I, I don't think, I, don't think I, I mean, do, I hear where you're coming. I, think Shane I, Lyons, I don't think we do either. I think Shane Lyons was going to have to press, Neil Brown to do something different, but do they? So, Scoot, do they do like a Scott Frost at Nebraska, where they step in and go, "Hey, you're not doing so hot. We're gonna like we're gonna move some chess pieces in your staff around. Like, uh, we're gonna and restructure your deal. Yeah, you're gonna be like voluntold how to do some stuff. Like maybe that, maybe that kind of thing. I think that almost needs to happen, right? So. Because we're not seeing change. We're seeing right. regression if right. we're seeing anything. So, exactly. We're, no, we have. Absolutely have seen regression. So you've got, uh, I think Shane Lyons, there's got to be a little heat on him to be like, okay, listen, these boosters, the you know, the, the president, the board of trustees, all these people are not thrilled because now we're seeing that we're not, you know, filling seats. And when this TV deal is up, that our our money coming in may be less because we don't have Texas and we don't have Oklahoma. It's absolutely. So the people in the seats, that's going to really matter to us. So it is Shane lines, which I think he has to do this. I think he has to say, listen, Neil about that extension, <laughs> Neil, babe, uh, hey, babe. Neil, babe. <laughs> about that extension. We've got to change a couple things and you've got to change a couple things. He might even do like right. a Tony Maselli, like you did at the top hey, of the oh, show. Hey, 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 <laughs> Neil, <laughs> I I don't know, guys. It's um, it's it it's in a really bad spot right now. This WVU football team, and it's in a bad spot because there isn't a clear path to success at this point. And I think that a lot of times when you see a rebuild, when you see a new coach, when you see a program that's trying to change things, you see that path. You see the kids coming in, and I know we have a good recruiting class, um, but you see. You see the kids coming in, you see things, you know, kind of start to gel together, Scooty. And I don't, I don't think we see that. I don't right understand. Now. What I don't understand is how, as a coach in a game, in a bowl game, he can make a change at halftime because things aren't going well. Yet he can't not make a similar change over the next 10 games. Right? Yeah. Like, like he can't make that change. Like it, it was nothing for him to sit Austin Kendall or sit, uh, Derek, Jared Deggie and bring in Austin Kendall for that game. Is it because these guys all have nudie picks? Because maybe Austin Kendall was like, Hey, I'm going to release my nudie picks. And right now Jared Deggie's <laughs> like, Hey, I'm going to release my nudie picks at midnight. If I don't see the field, I got to tell you, if, and here's the thing. So we play the Longhorns this Saturday. It's a noon kick because, you know, that's what happens when you don't play well. You get those right. noon kicks. Exciting noon. Exciting yep. noon kick on ESPN2. Um, WVU right now, and this guy's just going to blow your mind. You guys aren't going to be prepared for this. WVU right now is favored by two points. 
in this well, game. Well, I guess that that does blow my mind. But is I guess Scoot, that's the Kansas effect. That's the who lost to Kansas. Like, right. That's like wow, right. West Virginia's uh, bad, but you guys. I think lost I told to you Kansas. guys like we could play this game in Neil Brown's backyard, and we still wouldn't be favored. So I don't know how <laughs> we're favored for this, but yeah. And and here's the thing. And on top of that, the the, two, the, the way the numbers came out for this game early on just kind of confused me. For those of you who like to gamble legally. West Virginia favored by two, which is basically in football terms, that's basically a wash. They're basically saying they don't, Vegas doesn't want to pick a team because two points means nothing, you know, uh, a safety. Uh, and, and here's what really gets me. And put your bets in now. The over-under is 57. And I understand that Texas scored a lot of points against a Kansas defense that's not very good. We do have a better defense, but we can't score points. And so Texas is going to have to score 50 of those 57 points for that right. over-under. That's what I was getting. I was getting <laughs> like, ready to say. The like, over-under really probably should be like 27, and it's like, right. you know, 20. Yeah, right? Four to three. 24 I to mean, three, yeah. I, so that's the part to, for me that just, like, this. the numbers that came out, I, 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 and you guys were with me when I was looking at them. I had to, like, find it, like, three times and be like, am I reading the right thing? Like, this is ridiculous. Well, I brought up last week, Guido, I guess maybe, you know, you're already leading into it, but last week I was talking about this general malaise that I feel like is starting to fall over the program and over the football program just in general. Don't you now feel like that's it? I, last week I was, you guys were like, remember I, I said, like, it felt like you guys were just trying to, you know, just jerk the wheel of the car into the ditch and just be done with it and right. i was like no nah, let's Hold my beer. Yeah, i was like no nah, let's be come on guys like let's win two more games and now you know since we since it went final against kansas state now i feel like that malaise is just setting in like i don't know what we i don't know where we go from here and, and i hate it i hate the feeling i love the mountaineers i'm never going anywhere i mean we're all three of us are always going to be rooting but I just like kind of back to like what Jake said in his article. I would like to just have fun again. I would like it. I would like it to be interesting. And we were having fun rooting for them. Will we in person see the offensive line have to run more than 25 yards up to where the ball is spotted? No, uh, no, probably not. Probably no. not. I, I know what you're I know what you're saying and my answer is no we won't. Here's the question though Scoot in this Texas game next week if we are down by let's just say we're down by two touchdowns starting the second half who's the quarterback in the third quarter for WVU well, Jared on Saturday? That's Jared Diggy. We don't we don't make changes. Like we were up big against Iowa State. We're still like, how come we're not seeing more Garrett Green? This would be a great time to see Garrett Green in the fourth quarter. It wasn't until like the last series he came in, and then he actually got pulled again, and then we, I think, threw four freaking stupid pass plays. Like, it'll be Jared And Deggie. I have to tell you, if that if that's the case, if that's true, the 23,000 people that are going to be in Mountaineer Field by the time the third quarter starts, because there's going to be at least 15, 10 or 15,000 that'll be out in the blue lot drinking by that point. The the 20 some odd thousand that are left are going to boo so loud the moment Jared Dagey walks out on that field yeah. in the second it'll, half of that it'll game. Be Jared it's going to get ugly. I it's going to get ugly, guys. It's going to get ugly. I think the best thing for Neil Brown right now that he should be happy about is that Kansas game is not in Morgantown, that that Kansas game is in, is in Lawrence, because that Kansas game was in Morgantown and they lose on Saturday and he trots Jarrett Daigie back out again against Kansas. It's just Oof. It's a bad scene. Oof. If we beat Texas, do we rush the field? No. 
<laughs> no. I mean, what? The seven people that <laughs> are left? Be our chance. We'll be there. I'm just trying to figure out if I need to be prepared. You just want to rush the field. You just want to rush the field. Well, look for us. We'll be there. The guy, your ears on crew will be there. You never know. We might be handing out stickers in the blue lot. You could look for us. Uh, but listen, guys, we, sh- we, f- we face Texas on Saturday. It's on ESPN2 at noon. West Virginia favored by two points right now. Go figure. And uh, we'll see what happens, you know. And other news, guys, just kind of moving on, still talking about football. Two things. Congratulations to Alonzo Adai. Got invited to the Hula Bowl. That's kind of like a senior all-star game. Congrats to him. So he'll get to play in January and go to that, you know, game that's, if I remember correctly, Johnson, that game is the week between uh, the Super Bowl, the AFC, NFC playoffs and the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. That's a that's a good nice it's a nice there's like it's like a non football week that you get to see those kids play uh, and then and sad news guys uh, West Virginia University Hall of Famer retired number Sam Huff passed away this past weekend at 87 years old uh, it's kind of bad that the news came out at literally like 15 minutes after the game ended no I know it you're right it was like insult to injury I mean you you take this terrible loss and then a legend news of a legend passing away comes across so Sam Huff meant so much you know to so many people over the years i mean he had a wonderful career giants uh and at washington so i i know just myself as someone who followed washington for a number of years he was legendary also in the booth with sonny jurgensen for so many he almost you know he almost had a second career aside from his playing career doing uh doing that in the booth so yeah that was that was terrible to see yeah, Sam Huff, a Marion County guy from Marion County, Farmington, West Virginia. Retired, number 75. We've seen it for years up there in Mountaineer Field. Uh, passed away this past weekend. So thoughts go out to his family and uh, on that. Well, listen, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some basketball. That'll be fun in the second segment. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives. everybody welcome back to got your ears on guido here along with scoot and johnson don't forget you can find us on the social medias look for us online you can find us on twitter and instagram at got your ears you can also look for us on facebook just search got your ears on well guys aside from football happening which are not happening whatever you however you look at it basketball season has kicked into gear and west virginia has started the regular season off two and oh two wins guys against oakland and Pitt this week and I'm not sure what I think about this team. I'll tell you what I do know at this point is there is a lot of, and you, and I think you guys said it last week on the show, there's a lot of relying on Taz Sherman on this team. Both games he played 37 minutes approximately in both of those games. So he's playing practically the whole game. Uh, both games scores 17, 18 points. I'm not sure, though, what he's got around him right now. There's some good, there's some bad, Scooty. Uh, what stood out for you in these last two games? Well, um, 
most recently, the the thing that concerns me a little bit is uh, guard play. I think we're we're trying to wade through who's going to be in the game with Taz and and Sean McNeil. I know we saw Kedrian Johnson's been starting, uh, Malik Curry, Kobe Johnson gets in there some. Um, there have been some bright spots and there have been some uh, ugly spots uh, with. Taz, my my concern with last game against Pitt was he was, what, 6 for 20? And at times felt like he was doing everything he could to just shoot at all times. Like, guarded, I'm going to shoot this. Unguarded, I'm going to shoot this. Uh, falling over, I'm going to shoot this. Like, it just felt like he was trying way too hard to shoot. Well, I would, I would disagree a little bit on the guard play, Scoot, and I know that you're going to counter with Pitt as atrocious because they, they were, but they are bad. I think it was clear, you know, I think we found out too in the process that Oakland's probably a little bit better than, than we initially thought. You know, I, Scoot, you told me that I, I was kind of leaving that game a seven point victory over Oakland thinking, man, that didn't feel very good. You know, that felt like working really hard to get that seven point win. They turn around and beat Oklahoma State the very next game. I think they're a little bit better than we thought. They also zoned us up quite a bit, which we kind of have an allergy to that. But I think in this game against Pitt most recently, I was texting you guys. I I loved Malik Curry. He played like the person who I hoped I would see coming into the season. And uh, Fake Bob put out a really good article that uh, Old Dominion did about Malik's kind of journey, losing his father, his journey to Morgantown. If you haven't read that, I encourage you to do so. It'll it'll make you a Malik Curry fan if you're not already. But I thought he played great at the one. I thought he was actually, Scoot, directing traffic, kind of court generaling a little bit. I love to see that. And then I thought when he came off... I thought the clear two was uh, was Kobe Johnson. I yeah, I loved I his play that. too. I know he's only a freshman, but I thought it was super encouraging to see him running the one when when Malik wasn't in there. So I I was you know I think as far as like takeaways that were moving forward, I know Pitt's not great, um, but I loved that and that was encouraging. I thought. Um, I thought it kept things calm so that if Taz was forcing it a bit or maybe not everything's falling, you know, there were some other positive things that, that, that were going on while he was, you know, if he's a little bit off, you know, we were thinking he's got to be on 100% of the time. Uh, you know, I felt like in that game, at least it felt, it felt good. You could see other people producing and, 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 you know, contributing to the offense. Well, and I think that you saw it, you know, and, and we expect to see it this time of the year especially with bob huggins and bob huggins teams it's it's like rotation roulette it's like i think you know huggins is trying to put in whoever he can put in to see what works and what doesn't work and i think we're still seeing a lot of that and luckily for us you know we played an oakland team that i agreed was probably better than what we thought we weren't i mean i was a little shocked that it wasn't more of a win i think we let oakland back into the game a little more than we should have there at the end and then a pit team who Boy, oh boy, that team is not very good. Pitt they is, are bad. Pitt, like, they are bad. Like, I've not seen uh, that many turnovers. They only have nine scholarship players. Oh, like, man. nine. The turnovers were horrific. It was pretty But rough. still, Guido out-rebounded us, just like Oakland, by a 16. I think that's going to be a common thread this year. Yeah, I think that's the one thing right now. I mean, you can't look. We're, we're all going to pick it free throw shooting. You know, we're going to have... Good shooting nights. I actually think against Pitt, people like Jalen Bridges heated up, and I was like off my seat a couple of times when he went on a stretch of threes, for example, and he wasn't the only one. But I think this rebounding thing is a little perplexing because 
I, in against like in the exhibition against uh, the Zips, we we kind of pointed to Gabe Osaboy, and it felt like when Gabe wasn't on the court, you didn't have a chance to get the rebound. I felt like that at times in these two games, and I'm just surprised that you know usually we are the usually it's us generating a crazy rebound margin, a crazy you know shot advantage because of second you know second chance uh, attempts. That's certainly not the case these first two games. Yeah, Johnson, and I think that you know. Huggins came in in his post game with Tony Caridi uh, after the pit game and talked about how rebounding is a problem and it's going to continue to be a problem and they're going to continue to work on it. I think that the problem, the, the worry I have is that it's not going to rear its ugly head. Being out rebounded 36 to 20 or 40, 48 to 33 like we were this, this week isn't really going to start rearing its ugly head until we get into conference play. Like right now we can beat a team like Pitt or Oakland or Elon this week or whoever. Yeah, we're they're gonna not, play. They're, yeah, you're right. They're not really going to make you pay like, uh, you know, Oklahoma or Kansas or somebody like or that. Texas. Right. And number four ranked Texas is going to make you pay if you are missing shots and not getting offensive rebounds or if they're missing shots and they're getting the rebounds. Well, so we're just not big. We're just, we're not, big. You know, we're just not very big. Um, I think our best big man defender is probably Gabe, but I would say Diamond Kerrigan is is maybe uh, if Gabe is one A, I would say Diamond's one B, and Diamond brings a shot block that we haven't seen in a while. Um, I I th- I think we've got a lack of size. Though. Like Polly Polycap, he he looks strong, but he's just not very tall. Um, and then I'm. I think it's maybe more of a, as long as he's not hurt, it's probably more of a statement on Senny Enjai's development. If he's the biggest guy we've got, 6'11", and he's not seen the floor in the last two games, that tells me either he's in a doghouse uh, or he's hurt or something because we could have used some size at times, especially um, second half against Hughley, I think his name was, for Pitt. Yeah. He was a bit, their big guy. Right. He started to heat up in the second half. Yeah, you're right. somebody to kind of slow him down. Yeah, I think he, if he didn't have 20, he was really close to it by the end of the game. But, Scoot, I think you have to love, and you started to say it at the top there, 31 turnovers, 11 blocks, 17 steals. I mean, you can overcome – I mean, I guess that is how you overcome some of that deficit is you play some tenacious defense, you cause the other team to turn the ball over like crazy. And then I think we had, you know, 31 turnovers. I think we had, you know, something like 30 something, 34 points off of the, yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, if you can, and again, I know people are like, well, you're playing a, a really bad pit team. Well, okay. But pit had a lot of size. I mean, they were still, you know, it was still an emotional game. I think we really harassed them and made them uncomfortable the the entire game. I, I think our our team makeup right now almost lends itself to a, a press Virginia type team in the sense that we don't have to maybe worry as much about the rebounds if we press the crap out of teams and steal the ball, get them to turn it over. I think that that would make more sense. Um, and it seems like we have obviously a lot more guards or, or small forwards than, than we do anything else. So I, I don't know if we'll see us transition toward that, but I would I would say that that would be maybe an effective strategy moving forward, especially against teams that really have 
a size advantage against us. So I want to talk about two players specifically, two starters in the last two games, and kind of where their trajectory is with the team. Because they're not, you know, both Isaiah Cottrell and Kadrian Johnson are getting the nod to be starters on the team. They're out there, the first five on the court. But it's not really turning into anything for them during the game. And and I want to see what you guys kind of think of, like, where where's Huggins on the trajectory of the, those two players and, you know, kind of how their play is turning out this season as quote-unquote starters? Yeah, well, I think with Kedrian in particular, Guido, I think it's not anything against him right now. I mean, look, against Pitt, he has six assists. I think he had seven steals. I mean, he had a, a nice stat line. I think he, he was two for four from the field. But I think for me watching the game, that's kind of what I was saying. I thought, I find it hard to believe that you don't watch Malik Curry and even and even Kobe Johnson and say that that's not the rotation at the one. I You know, I think Kedrian probably earns Scoot some brownie points because of his defense. Um, but I think that margin between him and like a Malik Curry in my mind is really, is really slim. I don't know. So that's one thing. And then I think for Cottrell, I, I'm just kind of Guido being patient with Isaiah, Isaiah Cottrell. Cause I think someone pointed out on Twitter, you know, really we're, I know, you know, we've known about him for quite a while, but, but really, if you think about it, he was in for a, the blink of an eye last year, went down with a terrible injury, came back from that, you know, rehabbed and is now back from that really bad injury. And he really, for all in for, you know, all intents and purposes, he's pretty much a freshman now trying to get trying to get, you know, game rhythm under him and, and get into the flow of things. So I think I don't expect him to not be in the. I don't expect him to not be in that starting five, but I'd all, but I also don't expect him to be putting up, you know, like Jalen Bridges goes for, you know, like 18.6 rebounds. I don't, I don't expect that out of control right now. Scoot. Yeah. I, so going back to the guard, we'll start with the guard play first. I think Kedrian Johnson right now is starting by default because he's the most experienced guy. Um, Huggins typically likes an experienced guy and he, you know, he knows the terminology. He Huggins, um, kind of knows what to expect. He is a better defender than he is an offensive threat. I, I don't really think of Kedrian Johnson as much of an offensive threat. I've seen him shoot enough to think that. Um, I would say that Isaiah Cottrell, while he's very skilled, he's he's almost in my mind, and I, I don't want to dare say this, but I will, as far as his size – are you gonna are you gonna pit snoggle him right now? <laughs> I am gonna pit snoggle him. Yeah. He's got he's got some pit snoggle like shooting ability that right. he should be able to be fairly like, successful along the three point line. Like you pull the big out, you know, he right. you know, maybe you help with rebound. Is that where you're going? Because you pull that right. big out a little bit. And I think I think we have to give him more time because I also read a tweet that uh, in reality, nobody thought he would even be healthy enough to even start the season, let alone be a starter in the season. Right. So the fact that he's recovered as quickly, I'm sure there's a lot of times, and you guys know you've been hurt, like you still – you think you're good to go, but then there's times where you start to second guess or, you know, did I feel weird there? Did I When I landed, did that feel kind of funny or is that just normal? So you, there's a little bit of that I'm sure he's still going through. Um, because it was such a recent injury and, and for such a catastrophic injury, what was a torn uh, Achilles? Yeah. That's a pretty big yeah. deal. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to give him a little bit more time. But once we get into conference play, like, you know, that's kind of either put up or sh- shut up, I guess. I mean, he's going to have to 
either produce or Huggins will find somebody that will. Yeah, and I think that starting five, like one things I've no- one of the things I've noticed about it in these first two games is that's like Huggins is almost trying to play like you know, almost like a John Beeline five out kind of offense where you've got these guys that are all outside shooters, you know, and I know Cottrell's supposed to be on the inside getting the rebound, but there have been a couple of times where I'm like, oh man, you've got five guys almost outside the arc right now. So it'll be interesting to see how this team morphs because the guard play isn't as good as I thought it would be. I mean, Sean McNeil, 11 points in both games. He's still doing his thing, you know, I feel like Sean McNeil, here's the one thing about Sean McNeil. I don't think he can hit a three-pointer at the three-point line. I think he's got to be a good four or five feet behind it in order for the shot to go in. Yeah, and don't you think, too, they're kind of feeling their way out, too? Like Scoot pointed out in this pit game, I think Taz shoots the ball 20 times. I think Sean only shot the ball nine times. You know, In the scheme of things, Mm -hmm. you would think that maybe I'm being naive, but I would have thought coming in that would be a little bit more balanced. So I think they're probably trying to figure that out, too, the flow of the game. And I think... One thing for going back to Cottrell, I think I don't I don't really picture him as someone who's going to be throwing bows and, you know, be down on the block. You know, that that doesn't come more of a finesse. player, Yeah, right. right. So I feel like the one good thing that I see so far in these first two games, like Scoot's alluding to Kerrigan and even Paula Cap, when they come in, they give really good energy. I mean, they're active. You know, Paula Cap came in against Pitt. He's super active. He did get a couple rebounds. Um, I think he did score one or two buckets. So I, I think as long as we see those guys developing, at least hugs can give a guy like Gabe. I mean, I think it's already clear you can't have Gabe not on the floor for big periods of time, but at least he can probably feel like he can take Gabe off the floor and he's going to get, he's going to be able to put in like an energy guy, you know, someone that's going to be active play defense in his, in his stand. We've got to think too, like we're talking about a bunch of guys here who were not starters, like, and haven't been, or, like, as, as far as our team goes, I'm losing my mind there. Sorry, let me say it. We're talking about a bunch of guys on our team that were not starters that are now starters, right? Taz wasn't a starter last year. Uh, McNeil was. Um, Kedrian Johnson was not. Isaiah Cottrell was not. So, I mean, we're, we're Jalen was. So, we've only got two of the five guys that yeah. were returning starters. Right. Plus... You've got the, the other X factor is these transfers. In a lot of cases, they were the guy at the school that they were at, and now they're kind of a role player. Yeah. Like Malik Curry was a leading scorer for Old Dominion. Right, and he's he now in, more complimentary. Yeah. Yeah, now he's maybe like the eighth guy, you know? So it's it's a transition for those guys as well. Diamond Kerrigan, another guy, uh, Paula Cap. Those guys were all starters where they came from. So it's it's a different, you know, mindset that you've got to have and you've got to buy in. And I think they're going to buy in because it's Coach Huggins. If this were not Coach Huggins, maybe these guys, you know, are sure. more a problem than they are yeah. help. Right? Yeah, I agree. And, I, and it'll be interesting this weekend as we go to Charleston, South Carolina, to play in the Charleston Classic, the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic. Guido, I know you love a classic. I love a good classic. You know I love a good classic. Uh, Games start Thursday night. West Virginia plays Elon Thursday night at 9 o'clock on ESPN2. The games all weekend are on the ESPN family of networks, so we win. It depends on the game time for Friday, and then the championship game will be on Sunday. But some old foes, Johnson, in there with Marquette, St. Bonnie's, Temple, some old Big East and A-10 foes that we get to see again. Yeah, I love it. Come on, the Bonnie's. 
the South Carolina, right? South Carolina's in that, and that's uh, Frank Martin. Yeah, that's right. One of one of Hugs' buddies, good friends. Yeah, yeah. Ole Miss is in there, so definitely check it out. Charleston Classic this weekend on the ESPN uh, networks, all of them. Like you, you can check them all. They're going to be on there. Well, listen, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. It's cause we're flying, 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 flying. It's cause we're flying, 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 flying. It's cause we're flying, flying, flying. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. And listen, don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. It's the hub of everything. And plus, you can buy cool stuff there too, right, Johnson? Yeah, you can. If you click through the link to the merch store, you can buy all kinds of cool GYEO swag. Uh, you can also find on the main page the latest show. All of our show notes will be there, including links to Twitter and other articles that we found interesting during the week since we last talked to you. And then finally, you can click on the tune in link to listen to the latest show right in the sidebar. So check it out. Yeah, check it out. Got your ears on dot com. Well, guys, it's time for the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the fluffs and johnson you won last week over scooty and you now have the lead 12 games to 11 going into the last i don't know four or five of the season you won 2020 can you win 2021 johnson i would love to repeat i would love to repeat scoot and set myself up for a three-peat is what i would like to do okay whatever I feel like Scoot doesn't care about winning. He is just going to sit there and sulk and be like, it's stolen from me. Everybody stole it from me. It was never. Here's what's happened, folks. Uh, We have a new writer. He is drinking the Guido Kool-Aid. This is all scripted. (laughs) See? I feel like uh, I feel like Scooty. uh, You're 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 now taking the blame from me and you're putting it on poor little Cloney. And, you know, he's an intern. He's working very hard at his job. And all you do is blame him for your woes. He's, he has uh, somehow tried to ruin my standings. And uh, I'm not very happy about that. And uh, I think this is all scripted. Clint, you're doing a great job, buddy. Keep it up. Yeah. All right. Well, Coloni this week came up with a uh, with a good one, bringing it back to sports for you guys. And actually, Scooty, something that you know a lot about, Big East basketball. After playing Ooh. the backyard brawl this week, he thought maybe we can ask some questions about those good old days in the Big East. 
playing some basketball. Oh, Scoot, how I miss it. I, I miss know, it so bad. It was great. It was great. All right, guys, remember, a correct answer is worth five points. A steal is worth 10 points. And Final Bluff is worth 25 points. This week, Cloney took a Canadian loony. It's a coin. A loony? Or is it a toonie? A loony or a toonie? I think it's a loony. I think it's a loony. He flipped the loony. And uh, Scoot, you get to go first this week. Okay. Yeah, it's got a a, a loon on it. Yeah. All right, congratulations, Scoot. Here you go. First question is to you. Which one of these players did not score 2,000 points during their college career? Was it... Luke Herringote for Notre Dame, Ray Allen for Connecticut, Alan Ray for Villanova, or Terry DeHair at Seton Hall? Mm. That's tough. Did not, did not score that over 2,000 points. tough. Ray Allen was a big-time scorer. Uh, Alan Ray from Villanova, you said? Mm-hmm. Mm. Who was the last guy you mentioned? Terry DeHair. Terry DeHair. Oh, Terry DeHair. You know dang well who it was. We love Terry DeHair. Don't you act like you didn't hear that name correctly. Uh, I'm going to say it was the big ogre. He looked like Shrek. I'm going to say Luke Herringote. Sorry, that's incorrect. It was not Herringote. Johnson, was it Ray Allen, Alan Ray, or Terry DeHair? Well, I think Ray Allen was obviously a big time scorer, but I don't think he, he didn't have a complete tenure at UConn, right? So I'm going to go I'm going to go Ray Allen. That's correct. Ray Allen, uh, I think he only played what, two yeah, seasons? Yeah, I think he only played two seasons, UConn? Scoot, right? And yeah. then went pro. Yeah. yeah, Scoot. So there you go. And Scooty, UConn player. Come right. on, Nick. All right. That's, I'm giving, I'm right. giving Johnson a, a bone here. A little head start. Yeah. A little head start. You just want to give him a little so, head start. So uh, just side, side, side note, don't ever give me a bone. Okay, <laughs> don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right johnson congratulations 10 points right there you take the lead on scoot uh after he threw you that little bone uh and johnson this next question is back to you how do you know it was a little bone i mean i'm just guessing oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, Johnson, this next question is back to you. This Biggie school leads the way with 39 NCAA appearances. 39 NCAA appearances. Is it Georgetown, Marquette, Villanova, or Connecticut? Oh, man, you didn't say the name I was waiting to hear you say. Um, Gosh. 39 you said that's correct well i think given marquette's history through the 70s um i think even winning the national championship scoot in like 71 or something like that al mcguire uh, al mcguire thank you um i i mean i know obviously they weren't big east for all of those years but i think i'm gonna go with marquette sorry that's incorrect scooty for 10 points in the steal is it Georgetown, Villanova, or UConn? I feel um, hmm, that's tough. Villanova had Raleigh Massimino and uh, Jay Wright. I'm going to go Villanova. That's correct. Villanova, 39 NCAA tournament appearances. That's uh, impressive, Scoot. Good job. Oh, thank you. All right. So now we're all tied up, 10 apiece. Johnson gave you a little bone right there. So Okay. Thanks, Johnson. <laughs> All right, Scoot, this next question is back to you. In the 2010 Big East Tournament Championship game, 
His game-winning shot with nine seconds left helped WVU topple Georgetown en route to a WVU's first and only Big East championship. Who was it? Was it Kevin Jones, Devin Ebanks, Deshaun Butler, or Daryl Truck Bryant? Uh, it was uh, Deshaun Butler. I mean, does Cloney know he's writing questions for a WVU podcast? Yeah, what is he, Clone? Come on, that's softball territory. Cloney threw me a bone. <laughs> Cloney threw you a bone on that one. A lot of bone throwing going around this week. On uh, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't. I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, congratulations, Scoot. Correct answer. Now you take the lead, fifteen to ten. And Johnson, this next question is back to you. Which one of these schools was not a founding member of the Big East Conference? Was it Seton Hall, Boston College, Providence, or Pittsburgh? Not a founding member. Guido, I don't believe the Pitt Panthers were a founding member of the conference. That's correct for five points, and we're all tied up 15 apiece. Good job there, Johnson. You are correct. All right, Scooty, this next question over to you. In 1985, the Big East was the first and only conference to ever accomplish this. Was it have players drafted first, second, and third in the NBA draft, have three of the four schools make the NCAA Final Four, have all of the schools make the NCAA tournament, or have the most five future NBA Hall of Famers playing in a conference at the same time? I think it was the uh, three of the four Final Four schools were from the conference. That's correct. For five points, you now have 20 points, Scooty. Very good. You guys know your Big East basketball. I mean, we miss Scoot, it. Scoot and I were avid Big East basketball yes. fans. Uh, Johnson often would regale me stories about how he loved University of Miami's Constantine Popa, mostly for his good looks. Good looks. I've never done that. And Scoot used to tell me all the time how uh, he was chairman of the Khalid El Amin fan club. That's true. It was uh, uh, the Chubby Point Guard fan club. <laughs> min, min, he had, you know, when I think when I think about Khalid El Amin, which I don't often do. I don't know why I just said it that way. But <laughs> I was he had. Say, do you often? He had a, a tattoo on his arm that was the state of Minnesota, and then an apostrophe S. And then finest under it as Minnesota's finest. And I used to ask Brent all the time, do you take uh Umbridge? <laughs> umbridge to that? Do you are you offended by that? I'd feel like he was. Do you think Brent has one that do you think Brent has one that's like second finest on his on his arm? <laughs> We'll have to ask him next time he's on the show. We'll have to we'll have to hit him up on that one. All right. Well, here's the last question, Johnson, before final bluff. Right now, Scoot has a five-point lead, so if you get this one right, you're tied going to the final bluff. In what year did West Virginia University basketball officially join the Big East Conference? Was it 93, 94, 95, or 96? So the first Big East game, we played Georgetown in the Coliseum. I loved Selden Jefferson. Allen Iverson faked him out so bad at the top of the key and hit a three that the whole Coliseum just went silent. And I believe the year was 1996. Sorry, that's incorrect, Scooty. Uh, I believe West Virginia officially joined the Big East in 1993. 
That's also incorrect. Was it, uh, it was 1995. Oh. If you remember, good friend of ours, Brett Solheim, played one year in the Atlantic 10, 94, and then he went on to do three years in the Big East with his career at WVU. So 1995 was the year that uh, we joined the Big East. So here we go. Final bluff, guys. Scooter, you have a five-point lead, 25 points here in final bluff, kind of a winner-take-all situation. As always, we ask you guys to have your own buzzer to ring in for it. Scooty, what's your buzzer this week? Wham a lemon ding dong. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that means, but all right. I feel like you've been, it's a lot of, did you watch a Travolta uh, film festival or something? Where did that even come I from? I don't know. I was panicked. <laughs> I was trying to think of something I quickly. I panicked. All right, John Johnson. You've now had some and some time to think about. And, and guys, by the way, I don't understand why it takes you. You know, it, this question comes every week. How do you have a hard time not answering this? Being ready for this? Uh, I don't know. I get nervous. All right. Anyways, Johnson, what's your buzzer this week? I'm gonna go with De Hair. De Hair. Good old Terry De Hair. Because Scooty didn't remember his name. Yes. For some odd reason. All right. Here we go. Final bluff. This player is the only player to have been named Big East Conference Men's Basketball Player of the Year a record three times. Was it Troy Murphy from Notre Dame, Chris Mullen from St. John's, Richard Hamilton from Connecticut, or Patrick Ewing from Georgetown? De hair. All right, Johnson, for 25 points and the win. I'm going to go with Patrick Ewing, Guido. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Scoot. You're going to win, but I'll let you guess anyways. Uh, was it Troy Murphy? Sorry, that's incorrect. It was Chris Mullen, St. John's. Three times he was named Big East Conference Men's Basketball Player of the Year. But it doesn't matter. Scooty ties it back up 12 games apiece and beats Johnson this week on Big East Basketball. Scoot, wait a minute. You still you have a Chris Mullen jersey that you still wear to this I do. day. I do. You are obligated to know that answer. I I did not know the answer. Uh, he was uh, in college when I was a young whippersnapper. <laughs> okay. And uh, I only really knew a lot of him. From his from Golden his pro, State days. From yes. his pro days, yeah. From his yeah. Team USA days. Even. That's right. And his haircuts. Well, congratulations, Scooty. Does it feel good to tie it back up against Johnson and still have a chance? It feels good. Um, we all know, America knows, that I am the superior talent in this game show. So um, I feel that the script is starting to uh, – maybe this wasn't in the script. I don't know. I, I don't know what Cloney had planned, but uh, – I, I believe that uh, if he was trying to have me lose, he better work harder. Clone, uh, you know what to do. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Wink, wink, wink nod, nod. Follow the script. Uh, all right, guys. Well, listen, big week for WVU sports. If you are, by the way, a WVU sports fan, it's going to be an awesome weekend because pretty much every day you'll have something to watch. Yeah, I, I want to add one other thing that happened this past weekend that we didn't talk about, but... Are we? Should we be concerned that WVU rifle beat the army? <laughs> like the army? Yes, the army. We beat the army. Yes. Like, is that something that you know maybe we should be concerned as a country? Like shooting is kind of their thing, right? right. That's kind of I mean, what I they do. They do a lot of it, so that's pretty impressive to me. They may- and you know what's funny about it too? If you if you go to wvusports.com, which is the official website for the athletic department, uh, WVU. Number two ranked WVU rifle beating 
Army uh, is the number one story. So not anything about basketball, not anything about football. The number one story at WVUSports.com right now is the fact that WVU rifle beat. Army's <laughs> ranked. Not only did we beat them, but they're ranked 16th. Like, <laughs> and there aren't any countries in front of them. It's it's colleges. That's a concern. We should be very concerned. <laughs> I, I get that. I get. I hear where yeah. you're coming from, Scoot. I don't know, Scoot. Well, listen, it's a great week for WVU sports, so make sure you're watching. WVU basketball plays Thursday night against Elon. That game is on ESPN2 at 9 p.m. Friday night, there'll be another basketball game on one of the ESPN networks. Saturday, there's a football game, hopefully, uh, against Texas at uh, at noon at the Milan Pushkar Stadium at Mountaineer Field. Uh, that game is on ESPN, too. And then Guido will be there to sign autographs. And then Sunday, there's another basketball game, and that'll also be on the ESPN networks. And listen, this weekend, if you're in town, you're watching the Texas game, Look for the three of us. We'll be there. It's uh, it's our annual Got Your Ears on game. We pick a game every year to go to, and uh, we'll be walking through the blue lot. Scooty, you you might have a sign that you're holding up as you walk through the blue I, lot. I might have a sign. You yes, lost I a might. bet of some kind? Scooty, you lost a bet, bet of some sort a few episodes a... ago? Yeah, the guy played the game of his life, and I've got a sign. Um... <laughs> if you see a guy if you see a guy holding a sign that says, Daggy is my boy, That'll be our be buddy nice Scooty to him. walking through the blue line. Be nice be to, nice him. to yeah. him. And listen, if uh, the, for the fifth person that comes up to me and says some kind of ridiculous remark to me with this sign, I will have uh, our intern, Cloney, who will also be at the game, he'll autograph that sign and it will be yours. <laughs> People are going to be uh, jockeying for the Cloney autograph? Is that what you're, is that what you're going I, for? It's very popular. You can turn it into an NFT. Is that what you're right? hoping for? Yeah. An NFT? Yes. yes. Yeah, right. Maybe. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yes. All right, guys. Well, listen, uh, thanks for listening this week. Don't forget, look for us online. You can find us on social media. Just uh, look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears, or you can find us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears. And don't forget, check out our website. We've got a great merch section there. We've got some new shirts that are coming out soon. And, of course, we've got our fundraiser shirt that we have for Bob Huggins and the Fish Fry for the Norma Ray Huggins Foundation. It's the Pullover Guy shirt. So definitely buy a couple of those. $4 for every shirt sold goes to them so right now it's the time to buy it because they get a big donation from us so definitely check that out go to gotyourearson.com and pick that up we'll be back next week with another show guys thanks for listening you've been listening to got your ears on Country road.